This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. His response was, who is Iago? That is the correct response. Your wager. Nothing interesting. All right, that gives you 23,000 today. Earlier, you had 65,600. That gives you a total for the match of 88,600 as we come to James Holzhauer, who could win the match. He had 44,000. Did he come up with Iago? He did not. And it doesn't matter. Your wager, 44,000. Ken Jennings! You are the champion! The monumental Mormon. Ken Jennings. He's the greatest Jeopardy player of all time! The GOAT! Those two guys and then Brad was just kind of hanging around. (laughs) Why am I here? Hey, this is kind this of is embarrassing. <laughs> this is kind of breaking. That guy Cora, who was with the Red Sox until he got fired yesterday, he was the coach that came up with the cheating plan for the Houston Astros when they won the World Series. Right. He went to the Red Sox, and in his first year there, they won the World Series. Coincidence. And he, and he is officially being investigated for uh, cheating the same way with the Red Sox as of today. There are baseball fans and insiders who are saying, what about all the players who are fine with it and went along with it? Oh, I'm not for, for punishing any particular person. I just think it'd be interesting oh, if we I find am. out that Prison terms. two back-to-back World Series champions cheated a lot. 
Right. And the same guy <laughs> ran the cheat. That's something. Wow. Well, uh, so the uh, we have a great guest coming up. Mark Halpern is one of the clearest-eyed, clearest-headed uh, political commentators around. We can kind of break down what's going on these days. But uh, the as I said earlier, the whole blank industrial complex is, is a bit of a cliche. I mean, it's just not clever anymore. But at the same time, I think it's useful because there is a huge sympathy industrial complex in the United States of America right now. And a lot of it runs through the government. And it's as simple as this. Politicians convince you, because you're good people, you're concerned people, we're a, we're a kind and compassionate nation, mostly. Um, they convince you that there's somebody down, downtrodden in desperate need of your help, and if you will only consent to higher taxes, often, by the way, higher taxes on somebody else. Mm-hmm. If they, if you will just let the government confiscate more money, we will turn it toward those poor, beleaguered souls and and end their pain. The problem is, number one, the government is a broker, and it keeps a huge cut of what it takes in. And the people who run government are not the saints and angels that they portray themselves as. They're people pursuing their own self-interest, and it gets all corrupt and the rest of it. I like this note from Jared in Missouri. He wrote us a, 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 an email on the topic of unicorn riders and the bums, the bums and junkies. The idea that the politicians are creating the bum explosion, that they are utopians, is misleading. The money that is spent is not destroyed. It's funneled into the pockets of friends that passes solutions. The job of a politician is to quietly create problems and loudly provoke the masses to keep you in power to pretend to solve those same problems. Maybe I'm too cynical, but politicians aren't stupid. They're malicious. You know, the flow chart to me, Jared, because you're absolutely right, but there are absolutely true believers who think what we need is $100 million, a billion dollars, for instance, in Calunicornia. And to give it to these fine, wonderful people who are just downtrodden and out of their homes because of bad luck. And if we got that billion dollars, we would solve it. Those people are 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 ignorant and they're naive, but they're sincere. Then you got the cynical greed heads, the politician types you're talking about. They're absolutely in on it. Um, and for the reasons Jared stated, I think he did it pretty well. But then you've got the masses who are kind and sympathetic people, and they hear the tale of woe, and they think, well, how can I be against this? I mean, how can I be in favor of, for instance, children starving? Interesting piece from the uh, Interfaith Studies Group. Some politicians describe the United States as a nation unable and unwilling to address child poverty. One presidential hopeful recently said that America has the moral obscenity of having the highest levels of child poverty in the industrialized world. What? Yeah, I know. I know. But in truth, child poverty in America has steadily declined for more than 50 years. And in 2018, that's the most recent year of data, the child poverty rate was at the all-time low. There is almost nobody in America, no children, who are actually hungry. Wow. So they've had to introduce the uh, the fake statistic food insecurity, which means at any time during the previous year, were you concerned that you might not have enough food? Listen, that's not a good way to be. That's a stressful way to be. I don't want to live like that. I don't want anybody to have to live like that. But to portray them as, quote, unquote, hungry, because we're all picturing starving Africans, I'm right? I'm hungry right now. Right. <laughs> it's just, and that's because when you eliminate hunger, 
the poverty uh, or the uh, sympathy industrial complex, it, it ceases to be compelling. So your your model, your business model starts to fall apart. How can you extort trillions of dollars for so-called hungry people if there aren't any? Well, you introduce the term food insecurity, whatever, for instance. And there's a lot, there are more examples of this. But whatever radio station, whatever radio station you're listening to right now, there's a decent chance you're going to hear a PSA at some point today where they have some little kid who can't study in class because they're so hungry. Mm-hmm. And that's just not happening hardly ever. Right, right. And certainly where those kids are, if your local community, your county, your school district wants to do something about that hungry little kid, God bless you. That is fabulous. If you want to create a $30 trillion federal bureaucracy to deal with that tiny number of kids, that ain't helping. That's not sympathy. That's not kindness. That's greed. That's government at work. Anyway, speaking of government. Mark Halperin wrote the book How to Beat Trump. Really interesting, and he um, he interviewed a whole bunch of strategists on the left and the right about how what it would take. We'll check in and see how th- he thinks things are going. Yeah, and, and listen, I want you to understand the title of that book. It's not that I need so desperately to beat Trump, and that's not what Mark is. He, his point of view is, if there's any chance of beating Trump, how would the Democrats do it? It's really interesting. And a lot of them think he's going to be really hard to beat. We'll uh-huh. be talking about that coming up. Armstrong and Getty. We should have a special feed of what we talk about off the air. No, we shouldn't. It wouldn't last long. It was the worst idea I've ever heard. Worst idea. This is a real pleasure. Every chance we get to talk to Mark Halperin, uh, great, clear-eyed, clear-thinking political commentator, is the author of How to Beat Trump, America's Top Political Strategist on What It Will Take, which is a really enjoyable look at political strategy. Mark Halperin joins us. Hey, Mark, how are you? Gentlemen, Happy New Year. Good to be here. Thank you. The same to you, sir. So a couple months ago when we talked to you, your assessment at the time was that Biden can't get the nomination and the people that can get the nomination, Bernie and Liz, can't beat Trump. Is that still your assessment with where the polls are today? You know, Biden has hung on a little bit better than I thought. But, you know, I said back in the spring of last year that I thought Bernie was the front runner, and I think he may be again. Um, I couldn't understand the gap between his, his fundraising strength, grassroots fundraising, and his polling numbers. But this is a wide-open race. I think uh, Biden could be out of the race by New Hampshire, or he could be the de facto nominee by the end of New Hampshire. That's how wide-open it is. Holy yeah, okay. cow. <laughs> right, Look, any, any of the four of them, Biden, Sanders, Buttigieg, Warren, any of the four of them could win both Iowa and New Hampshire. That's just a fact. They're also bunched up. And given the expectations game, I think a win will be a win, no matter how narrow. And if you win those first two, then basically I think uh, you're the front runner and, and you're going to have to beat Michael Bloomberg come Super Tuesday. But this this is a wide open thing. The one thing I think is different from when we last talked is, although it's although it's jumbled up, I think, I think Biden and, and Sanders are right now in the first tier. And then you've got Warren and Buttigieg in the second tier. Hmm. And you see that. You see that. I know you guys thought the debate was kind of a snooze, as did I. But I think that the most revealing thing in the last 24 hours is Warren seems desperate because the attack she made on Sanders, I think, claiming totally implausibly that Sanders would say to her in a private meeting, a woman can't be elected president, I think is based on the fact that she's feeling a ceiling. She's feeling like her support is not growing. 
and she's losing votes, not just to Sanders, but also she's losing some of the wealthier voters uh, to, to Buttigieg. And, and she's going to have to get over Sanders to win this nomination. And I think right now she's feeling the heat on that. By the way, just on that question on the debate last night. So CNN says to Bernie, did you say to Elizabeth Warren, a woman can't be president? He said, no, I did not. Then they turn to Elizabeth Warren and say, what did you think when he said that to you? What? <laughs> but but I mean it's not just it's not just CNN. Read I've I've read you know probably a hundred newspaper and, and and print stories about this. The New York Times says things like Warren confirmed that Sanders said it. You know she didn't conf- she didn't confirm it. Four of her aides plant put out this story. If she was so outraged about this alleged statement, why has she been sitting on it for until two weeks before Iowa? It's because she's desperate. It's because she feels the, 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 the reality that she's got to get over Sanders. And as you said, CNN, who broke the story, is treating it like it's true right. when there's no reason to believe it's true. And, and look, Bernie Sanders, the, the notion, as he said, that he would say such a thing to his friend in a private meeting uh, two years after Hillary Clinton practically won, it, it, it's, it's ludicrous on the face of it. But also to treat her version as gospel truth and his version as false, it's just bad journalism. Yeah, Mark Halpern is on the line, author of How to Beat Trump, America's Top Political Strategist on What It Will Take. Uh, a question about the general. It occurred to me watching briefly last night that my eyelids uh, won the vote. Um, <laughs> the uh, It's funny. This race is so much about Trump. And granted, he's a polarizing figure. Everything in the news is about Trump all the time. But it seems like the entire election is begging the question in the classical sense. Why should I replace Trump? Because Trump must be replaced. And and the entire thing is, do you think Trump should be replaced or not? Because nobody's really differentiated themselves a mm-hmm. lot. And yeah. so it's going to be tough to move the needle because there, how many people in America are still wishy-washy on Donald J. Trump? Well, one of the things uh, I think the most revealing in my book is, is one of the Democrats I interviewed for the book said, Trump doesn't just dominate the news. He is the news. Um, you know, what, if Donald Trump went to McDonald's on the day of the Iowa caucuses, I think that would probably get more coverage than the Iowa caucuses <laughs> because the, the, press, wow. the, press, the press is obsessed with him, and, and most of the press wants him to lose. And yet, ironically, as also write in the book, probably CNN and MSNBC are doing more to get Donald Trump reelected than any other organizations in the country. I think you're because, 100% right. Because they, they cover him in a way that that's, his supporters find offensive, and they're not giving any of these Democrats a chance to break through, although – they had a chance last night, and this is the dirty little secret about this field is this is a weak group of candidates in terms of general election appeal. The, the ones who are running on, on their general election message, which is Biden and, and, and Bloomberg, that's their whole message. Their whole message is a process message, I can win, rather than talking about what they do for the country in any specific way. And Trump just has to win Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, or Michigan to win this thing probably. And I think right now he's in a pretty good position in those states. Mark Halpern's book is How to Beat Trump, and uh, you told us that behind the scenes that Barack Obama, Nancy Pelosi, a lot of the people who lead the Democratic Party, they think an Elizabeth Warren, a Bernie Sanders, is absolutely a loss in the general election. So here's my conspiracy theory. Uh, Kevin McCarthy said it the other day, but I've been saying it for longer. Yes, he I, has. Did, I was here. <laughs> did Nancy Pelosi hold up the impeachment to keep Bernie and Elizabeth off the campaign trail in Iowa leading up to the caucuses? No, no. She held, it. she held it up. She held it up because she 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 thought if she didn't hold it up, McConnell was going to quickly rush this thing through 
and there'd be a, a finding of not guilty, you know, before uh, he felt any pressure to call witnesses or ask for additional documents. Um, she doesn't want them to win, but I don't think she thinks that they're going to be stopped by sitting in Washington. Well, how damaging do you think it'll be since you've been on the ground in Iowa and followed these yeah. people around the last days of town halls yeah. and meetings and stuff like that? How big a deal will it be that they're not there? I mean, in a conventional race, you know, you, you, no campaign manager would say, yeah, let's pull the candidate out of Iowa for the last three weeks. But this is not conventional. The voters in Iowa are very sophisticated. They'll know why they're not there. Sanders can send AOC and other supporters to go campaign for him. He can do satellite town halls, they'll have television advertising on the air. And, you know, when they're not when they're not in session for the for the impeachment, they'll, they'll get to Iowa. So I think it, it's not a plus. But I'm not. I don't think it's disqualifying. I think I think that um, that it, it it gives them still room. And the other thing is, remember the expectations game. And this is why the Pelosi theory I think just isn't right. If if any of the senators underperform in Iowa, they're going to have a built-in excuse. Ah, uh, that's well, I pretty was, good. I, Iowa shouldn't really count because how could I be expected to win Iowa? So in some right, ways, that it, does it's help. The best it's the best of all worlds. If you win, you win. And if you lose, you got a built-in excuse that the, the, the voters of New Hampshire and in subsequent states will say, okay, well, I understand why, why they didn't win there. So, Mark, I'm scanning a bunch of headlines, and I'm reminded that <clears throat> the world has a funny way of making predictors look like idiots. I mean, here are some headlines out of Iran. Big China story about their global propaganda war. Vlad Putin is shaping up Russia. I mean, I could name half a dozen other issues. Um, it's just, it, it makes the prediction game tough, isn't it, that the world keeps spinning? Something huge could happen between now and November. There's no question. Uh, but, but again, that tends to play to the, the strength of an incumbent. You saw that with Clinton. You saw that with uh, Bush. You saw that with Obama. And you'll see it even more so with Trump because he, he'll do anything. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't care about the niceties of the office. He doesn't see any boundaries of using the powers of incumbency. So if there's a, if there's a, a, a downturn in the economy, obviously that hurts the incumbent. But any other type of, of shock to the system, I think in general, the incumbent has just a better chance to leverage that, to dominate the news and to shape things. That's one of the big challenges for these Democrats, and it's why – Somebody like a Bloomberg with unlimited resources or somebody like a Biden with, with national and international experience, I think a lot of people see them as more electable because they, they have the chance to compete with what will be a, a, a dominating performance, again, that any incumbent could do, but Trump can do more so. Was it Vanity Fair or the Atlantic, whoever had that article with uh, Barack Obama, they were talking to somebody saying that if Bernie or Liz it looks like they're going to get the nomination, Barack Obama will engage this race somehow to try to stop that from happening. You think that could uh, occur? I believe that's the case, but 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 the main reason he might not do it is it will backfire. This is why this is why the notion of Obama weighing in or Bloomberg stopping Sanders or Warren. You know, there's a lot of people in the party who are bitter about what happened four years ago, understandably because of the way the DNC tilted towards Hillary Clinton uh, behind the scenes and then. And then revealed. So uniting the party is going to be important. Now, if Barack Obama came out and said, I don't have anything personal against Bernie Sanders, but I don't think he can win a general election. I'm, I'm supporting Bloomberg. I'm supporting Biden. Right. I That'd think, be huge. I think, I think it, it, would, it would help right. them in some way. Hey, Mark, I'm sorry to jump in. I apologize, truly. I was raised better than this to interrupt a, a man uh, like you, but we're totally <laughs> out of time. We're up against a hard break. Mark Halpern, author of How to Beat Trump, really great read. And, and Mark, let's do it again soon. Talk to you guys soon. Take care. Thank you. So, well, agree to disagree on my conspiracy theory. 
crackpot theory. <laughs> uh, more on the way. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Starbucks is opening its first pickup-only store in Canada as kind of a test. It's uh, McDonald's is doing this thing now where you in can order of Prince Harry moving there. A lot of places are doing it now. You can order online and then you pull into a special space, parking space, and then they'll bring it out to you. But Starbucks is going to have a pickup-only store oh, where so you just no. order online, you pull in the space, and they bring it to you. No. Going in, and I wonder how much of that has to do with getting away from the whole bathrooms, homeless, trying to deal with that, uh, not going to handle it anymore, screw it. Well, or you could go the Dutch Brothers route, drive through only, you know? isn't? Aren't they drive through only, just ha- the little ha- uh, huts? Have a bunch of high, hot, hot young people dancing around? That's not the aspect of what I meant. Oh. It doesn't mean, you know, you're standalone little huts. Okay. Uh, let's see. What was I going to... Oh, uh, listen, impeachment update very quickly. The uh, the articles have been officially uh, trotted over to the Senate or whatever happens. They actually... They have a special box they put them in. Honestly, they, they print them out, I guess. Or maybe they have some sort of, like, calligraphy expert put them on parchment. Lime even, skin. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I can't roll my eyes enough at those sort of things. Mm. Yeah, I know. But so, <laughs> I know. Anyway, they trotted over to Senate, and uh, Nancy announces that the uh, the head managers uh, who are going to prosecute the case, freaking pencil neck Schiff and Fat Nadler. <laughs> Got the smallest, thinnest neck I've ever seen. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. Anyway, so, um, yeah. All right. Let me know when it begins. Same Probably people, next week. Same people making the same arguments. To dwindling audiences, I would guess. Jack, a lot of attention on Iowa right now. And in an Iowa court, a Kansas man is asking for the judge to grant him the right to, Sean, you're going to love this, trial by combat. Oh, my goodness. What? (laughs) Yes. Jack, the ancient (laughs) tradition. Of trial by combat. Is this Ninjago? <laughs> it's Game of Thrones, it's actually. Game of yeah. Thrones all day long, man. He wants to meet his ex-wife and her attorney, and I quote, on the field of battle, where I will rend their souls from their corporal bodies. Wow. Now that's a threat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah? Shame. 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 You would say that to me. What would you say? I will rend your soul from your corporal body. And I would say, well, that's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> <laughs> he asked uh, he asked the judge for 12 weeks lead time so he could forge a katana or wakisashi sword. And then he argues in positive... He wants to forge his own sword? Yes. Oh, of course he does. Now, and he argues in court records to this date, trial by combat has never been explicitly banned or restricted as a right in the United States. Um, Neither has feeding you to a tiger. Well, <laughs> not explicitly. Dueling is not explicitly uh, outlawed in Iowa, I guess. And he assumes he's going to challenge his wife to trial by combat over the the uh, the divorce. He assumes she will appoint her attorney as her her he, champion. Her champion. Yeah. He, Thank you. He wants to fight her lawyer. Is this yes, the he wants to beat the hell out of his wife's divorce lawyer. <laughs> which, <laughs> where this winding road has led us. And yeah, yeah, I'll bet he does. Yeah. Although at the end of it, he points out, where is that quote? Um, He essentially says, 
the whole thing has been so absurd and dishonest that this is the only next step I can think of. So it is an editorial yeah. wrapped in a uh, bizarro story. It was pretty I get, funny. Though. I get his point. Yeah. Yeah, um, a, lot, a lot of people do. <laughs> no guarantee that she'll choose the lawyer as the champion, though. You you get in there ready to go against the lawyer, all of a sudden the mountain that rides rolls up, and you're you're facing some eight-foot-tall behemoth. Or some Japanese uh, freaking, uh, what do you call them, uh, n- ninjas. It uh, comes in, he's twirling the sword, he's got the robes on and everything, and you're thinking, oh, no. Nah, the Mandalorian's oh. in there. <laughs> right. Then you're truly blanked. Uh, you are. Um... This just broke, and this will get a lot of attention depending on the kind of news you take. Last year was the second hottest year on record, closing out the warmest decade ever, government researchers say. So if uh, climate change is your number one topic, which several candidates said on the stage last night, my number one topic, oh, it's your number one topic? I have a number one plus. Oh. I have a number one and two. Oh, roll, just, double, roll double A right on the uh, the court. And am I wrong? Wasn't it just recently? Like every time they list priorities for just people across the board, yeah. it almost always finishes last. Low. It's rising, <laughs> honestly. Like the sea level. Right? Yeah, okay. Speaking of water, uh, what do you know about hot tubs? Oh, fair amount. Should you spend a lot of money on a hot tub? Hmm. I don't feel like that's a thing you want to go budget on. Yeah, I you never regret buy, uh, you know, buying quality. I do regret missing out on thousands of dollars, though. Yes. Um, uh, a therapist suggested for my son that a hot tub would be a really good idea uh, several times a day to try to affect the nervous system and stuff like that. So there's there's a medical need to this. And um, but I noticed you can get I can get one the size I want for like. or $1,800 or $6,800 or in everything in between. Yeah, I don't know that much about them. I I just wondered. I'd do the same strategy that I use with car batteries whenever I need to get a new car battery. I I don't go for the cheapest, and I certainly don't go for the most expensive, but somewhere right in that (laughs) that, Goldilocks zone. Yeah, I hear you. I guess I just opened myself up to getting a oh yeah every hot tub what you got to do store in America oh, yeah. Jack I listen every day I'd be happy to help you with your hot tub needs <laughs> I'll make we you appreciate a special deal because oh. I like your show oh wait for a next county or state fair to come around and when they got the so just go out and sit and some jump in there with the yeah. other old uh, fair goer soup that's going <laughs> on oh no wait a minute that's so gross. <laughs> Well, so, yeah, they told me this, and I didn't know this. One of the questions I had was, I, don't, I just don't want to deal with a lot of, I don't want to deal with it at all. Oh, but um, But having one uh, seems like it's a necessity. So I, how often do you got to change your water? I mean, how often am I filling this up and draining and all that sort of stuff? You say, leave, leave the water in there for four months. Really? That's a lot of human soup for a long time. And I really got a filter in there. Yeah. You got a filter. Chemicals. Mm. Better living through chemistry. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Sounds a little gross. Four months. How about the the hot tubs at your um your hotel? Oh golly, you're staying at the Super Eight, and they got a hot tub, and uh, every trucker who's come through, ah, I'll shower. Who who needs a shower? And gets in a hot tub, and oh boy, after a yeah. day. I mean, is that still okay? I mean, are the chemicals and the filters good enough for that? Well, that, there's a reason that uh, hotel pools and hot tubs have the chlorine filter, or, or I'm sorry, the chlorine levels of some sort of execution tank. Get in, get in a hotel pool with a nickel someday for five minutes. You'll come up with a tiny little nub of copper because it'll just dissolve everything. Hotel wow. pools are noxious. They're so chlorine yeah. because 
and I'm not going to get gross for once a little restraint in my life, but not everyone has cleansed properly in every way. Especially the youngsters. Yeah, so we were at, so gross. We were at a, a hotels need to err on the size of dissolving nickels as opposed to <laughs> spreading disease. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm a cheap hotel kind of guy. So we were uh, we went on this trip a while back. I took the kids and we went boating on a lake and everything like that. And we stayed at this mid-priced hotel, but it had a uh, heated pool and a uh, a hot tub, which yeah. is the the reason I chose the the the, the hotel because that's what the kids were most well, excited about on the vacation. I will tell you, as a traveling kid. Wasn't nothing more exciting than oh, no. the hotel pool. No. no. Oh, yeah. The best. Please. I have great memories. We'd travel cross-country, and we'd stay in these roadside motels. And they were really probably crap heaps. I didn't I was a kid. I didn't notice. All I knew was out there, like in the courtyard by the parking lot, they had a pool. And Absolutely. And, and my sister, and eventually my sister and brother and I were so happy. Oh, yeah. Huh. We might stop at the Holiday Inn in Waldrug, South Dakota, or wherever we're going. And, uh, and uh, yeah, they got a pool. Oh, yeah. It's a win, 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 win. Yep. And then the parents, I didn't know this at the time, the parents are pretty pleased, too, because you're occupied and happy and getting exercise and going to be worn out. Right. So that's cool. But anyway, sleep, especially because your eyes are burning so much, (laughs) you don't dare open them. (laughs) (laughs) Some of my kids are splashing around the pool and everything like that, but then it started to get a little later, and I think it was like a Friday night or something, and my kids are sitting in the hot tub, and there's there's, there's a a half dozen other adults in this great big hot tub, and I thought, I don't know what your hygiene situation is. Mm. Um, and uh, but a lot, like you said, lots of chlorine. Bring the nickel in there, Jack. You'll rest assured, no microbe could live through this. Please. So it's good news. This is like chemicals they use to tan leather, and you know, yikes. Yeah, boy, the hotel that brings back such great memories of traveling with the family. Oh yeah. We'd uh, you know, we'd take turns uh, in the back in the back of the uh, the station wagon. My dad would leave this like tomb-like little space with luggage left, luggage right, but a kid could stretch out in the middle and uh, we'd take turns being back. There're no seat belt, of course. No. no. Um and yeah, you could get completely comfortable back there. Oh, yeah. Snooze a little. Oh, it's great. Plus, that frees up the three kids across for families with three kids, which means a 78% reduction in combat. <laughs> if you've got that, that lawless border area between the two kids, that's a good thing. Anyway, ah, memories. Memories. I would. We'd take turns, one of us, like when we were in a car. Um, we did some family vacations in my dad's company car, which was a two-door now, these were big, long two-doors back in the 70s where sure. the door is like 15 feet long. But it still was a two-door car for a, for a family yeah. to go on vacation. But one of us would lay in the seat, and then my brother would lay up in the wind, the whatever, the dash of the back window. Oh, right. Oh, we'd take turns ba- on that. Yeah. Oh, my we were, gosh. We were small enough we could lay up there. Wow. You, you, get pulled, you get thrown in jail for doing that with your kids now, obviously. Oh, yeah, you might have your kids taken away, at least temporarily. <laughs> and people used to crisscross the country that way. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I don't remember what type of car it was, but I loved right, my... I think it was my aunt had one that had the, the rear-facing seats in the back where you'd oh, be, yeah. you would be yeah. looking at the, the third row. Yeah, Me and my cousins would have a blast just waving at drivers. Because oh, cool? one of the family Teslas is like that. They have seats like that for the kids, and that faces back out the window. Yeah. Oh, yeah. really? I loved oh. doing that as a kid. That was so much fun. It, it, yeah. I, it was kind of what we were talking about a week or so ago when, you know. Did you ever write the sign that says, help, we're being kidnapped? That's a, that's a classic <laughs> that's joke. That's strong. That's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. It, it made it really easy to forget that the parents were in the car. And we would just start having conversations. We were in our own little world back there. Yeah, awesome. yeah. Now kids, they're staring at their the, the tablet and their video games and their smartphones. We 
We had vaping, all vaping, <laughs> and their TikToks, right? <laughs> Posting the TikToks. We had to make do with Mad Libs and weird highlight to see if you got the right answer quiz books. <laughs> Don't get me started on I Spy. And, and, and we were fine, other than being angry and bored and misbehaving. <laughs> we were fine. <laughs> it's got to be good for your attention span, though, the, the long day, all day, driving, staring out the window, letting your mind rest. My kids never have that experience. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're evolving as a species, and I'm sure. not sure it's for the good, but... Time will tell. Um, I got a, a, a little thing on Deaths of Despair that's pretty interesting. Oh, kind of that sounds good. Downer of a topic, oh, but pretty interesting. Yeah, but I've been asked to rule on a real racism or not incident. Always interesting. Real racism or activist faking it incident. Stay tuned for that. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. When did I first hear about Alicia Silverstone's parenting? Wasn't she the one that talked about chewing up her food and spitting it into her kid's mouth? Wasn't that they heard that years could ago? could have been her. Yeah, I, I don't think know. So. Anyway. I have trouble keeping a lot of starlets straight. Actress, especially your hot young blonde, her heyday was when she was 22. Yeah. You know, those actresses, boy, they come and go quickly. Yeah, she had that, uh, what was the big hit movie? The uh, Clueless. Clueless. Well, no, 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 more, much more recently where she was wandering across the nation. What the, what the heck was that movie? It was mm. a nominated, uh, alone, adventure. I don't know. Plucky girl goes somewhere. Anyway, she's, she's known for her parenting. Yes. Um, to her credit, I think she kind of bowed out of uh, movies to, to spend more time being a mom, which is a cool thing. Uh, but she's in People magazine being featured in Good Morning America. Took a look at it. Actress Alicia Silverstone is saying no thank you to bad behavior, especially when it comes to reprimanding her son. The Clueless star saying that her eight-and-a-half-year-old son, Bear, was able to avoid the terrible twos due to the healthy lifestyle they lead. Silverstone telling People magazine that there have been moments where there were things we had to redirect and correct, of course, but it just wasn't the fight that you hear about, adding that the most I have to say is no thank you, Bear. She continues, and he goes, okay. That's my reprimanding. Silverstone saying this works for her family because of a mutual respect they have for each other. It's very unusual for a young child to completely stop what they're doing just because you say no thank you. Most kids need a little bit of urging, a little bit of explanation, and yeah, sometimes they need a consequence. Silverstone telling people Bear has always helped her to stay present in the moment, saying, I don't want him to feel like anything is more important than him. Adding, if he starts to cry, I listen. If he's upset about something, I stop and I talk to him about it. You'd be surprised at how much you notice that other people don't. Now, Alicia says just taking care of her son was such a pleasure when he was born, and that's remained the same throughout her parenting journey. I have Bear. Um, uh, I, she, I, I like bear. She, she didn't have. She Stop didn't, eating my kayak, bear! She did have to get that little. <laughs> she did have to get that little uh, shot in uh, at the end where she's judging other people. Yes, I know how other people don't. Yes. Um, uh, and I'm not. I'm, I would never claim that there's not such thing as good parents and bad parents. But Alicia Silverstone saying she's got to figure it out. For a variety of reasons, including the fact that you don't have to do laundry and go to work and all of those things. Yes. Um, is a little annoying. 
Yes, not only that, but oh, okay, so you have a kid who you barely have to hint that, hey, that's not acceptable, and they come around. Hey, I had one of those too, and I had one that was kind of in the middle, and I had one that was really, really challenging. Now, did I degenerate as a human or grow into some sort of saint as those children were born? Or were they just very, very different children, and you have to parent the child the way it needs to be parented? And you, and, and listen, she might be a nice lady, but my God, calling coming from the Hollywood elite, you have one of those kids who's just very, very easy, and you're congratulating yourself that you get the credit for it. Yeah. Okay. I got one of those, too, and I, I always thought if we'd have just had one kid, we'd have thought, well, we're just better parents than most people, obviously. Than virtually anyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I got a friend I was talking to just the other day. He had has multiple kids, and um, <clears throat> and the youngest has been really difficult, kind of similar to, like, my, uh, my son with lots of therapists, doctors, medicines, trying this, desperate. I mean, like, really very difficult. You're barely functioning sort of hard yeah and um and he said he said i was the guy who, when people talked about medicine for their kids i thought you're just a bad parent yeah you're just not doing it right he said now i'm i tell the doctor what else you got let's oh, try boy. something else this isn't working yeah. what else you got yeah um just depends on the kid yeah yeah so we really need i know to... a lot of you don't believe that feel free to send your emails to uh, sean sean you want them Sean can have them. Well, listen, <laughs> send them to whoever you want. Just because... Send them out make a collage. <laughs> just because antibiotics are overprescribed doesn't mean when you have a bacterial infection, you shouldn't take them. Just because Ritalin is overprescribed doesn't mean some kids benefit from it. Um, but, you know, it's all or nothing in a lot of America's stupid, stupid arguments. <laughs> so speaking of stupid arguments, we really need a name for this and some theme music. It's Joe Getty's Real Racism or Activist Fakery. That's actually a pretty good name. I drive by almost every day a mosque that was in the national news for uh, a week or so when somebody had put bacon on the handle of the mosque. And and hate speech of and some... That yeah. one seemed obviously phony from the beginning. Uh, cause it's just, man, it turned well, out to be a waste fake. of bacon. <laughs> yeah, it just turned out to be an activist who is so concerned about racism, created some so people would talk about it. So this is a new Sikh center. In Sacramento County, California, uh, the Sikhs uh, of Indian descent, generally Indian, Pakistan, et cetera, et cetera, the folks uh, who generally have a longish beard and a turban, um, vandals spray-painted swastikas in the words white power on the stone marking the entrance to the uh, Guru Maneo Granth Gudwara Sahib Sikh Center in Orangevale, California. Said a volunteer, this is racism, this is a hate crime, this is unfortunately something no one should have to go through. No community, no religion. Neighbor walking his dog was the first to notice. We're a very peaceful religion, says one of the volunteers. We all accept all religions and expect that we be perceived the same way. Uh, center officials say they are applying for grants to upgrade their security. Uh, the racist vandalism has since been painted over. So, Joe Getty's real racism or activist fakery? Uh, not enough information. There are enough stupid idiot trolls. And by the way, stupid idiot trolls outnumber actual right, white supremacists 10,000 to one. People who paint swastikas just to shock and outrage. Uh, n- not enough information. Uh, Got to tread carefully here. There's been some tragic violence against Sikh people who absolutely did not have it coming. Uh, Got to wait and see on this. But thanks for submitting it. 
alert listeners. Boy, a tremendous amount of hate came in for uh, Alicia Silverstone on the text line. Speaking of hate speech, oh, I hate you. <laughs> That's hate speech. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Every Day Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Every Day Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.